Welcome to the Strongstown United Methodist Church. Join us for worship each Sunday morning at 11. Here's this week's message. Old Testament scripture reading is from the book of Lamentations, and we are in chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. How lowly lies Jerusalem, once so full of people. Once honored by the world, she is now like a widow. The noblest of cities has fallen into slavery. All night long, she cries tears running down her cheeks. Of all her former friends, not one is left to comfort her. Her allies have betrayed her and are all against her now. Judah's people are helpless slaves forced away from home. They live in other lands with no place to call their own, surrounded by enemies with no way to escape. No one comes to the temple now to worship on the holy days. The girls who sang there suffer and the priests only groan. The city gates stand empty and Zion is in agony. Her enemies succeeded, they hold her in their power. The Lord has made her suffer for all her many sins. Her children have been captured and taken away. The splendor of Jerusalem is a thing of the past. Her leaders are like deer that are weak from hunger, whose strength is almost gone as they flee from the hunters. Our New Testament reading will find in the Gospel of Luke, and we are in Luke chapter seven, verse seven or Luke chapter seventeen, verses five through ten. Luke 17, verses 5-10. The apostles said to the Lord, Make our faith greater. The Lord answered, If you had faith as big as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, Pull yourself up by the roots and plant yourself in the sea, and it would obey you. Suppose one of you has a servant who is plowing or looking after the sheep. When he comes in from the field, do you tell him to hurry along and eat his meal? Of course not. Instead, you say to him, get my supper ready, then put on your apron and wait on me while I eat and drink. After that, you may have your meal. The servant does not deserve thanks for obeying orders, does he? It is the same with you. When you have done all you have been told to do, say, we are ordinary servants. We have only done our duty. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much to be here, fellowship to worship you and to hear the word. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to the message that you have for each and every one of us. May we, may we receive the full measure of what you have for us here today, dear Lord. And dear God, I pray that the words I say here will be your words and not mine. In the honor and glory of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So duty, right? Duty is a curious word because it insinuates that you're doing something um, not for reward or benefit, but out of a sense of obligation, right? That's duty. In fact, duty is defined as a task or service that arises from one's position, right? 
So it implies an, an obligation to perform something because of your position. And so as Christians, we have a position, right? We have a position in God's kingdom, in God's family. And so um, we have a duty. We have a duty, an obligation. And our Lord Jesus, though, he never tells us or asks us to do anything for the kingdom of God that he isn't willing to do himself, right? Or that he hasn't done himself, or that he hasn't paved the way for us to do. That he has a provision for us, given us provisions to do, and paved the way for us to do. So we know that um, Jesus would never ask us, our Lord would never ask us to do something that he isn't already out in front of, right? Now, God made Jesus to be like our human role model. Jesus is our role model here in our sacred text, and so we can look to him to see what we are to do. You know, Jesus was able to sin. Part of who Jesus is was human, right? Part of his essence is human. And so Jesus was able to sin, but he didn't, right? He could have used his powers, right? He raised Lazarus from the dead. He healed the sick and ailing. He turned the fish into many fish and fed 5,000 people. He walked on water. He could have used his powers to build an earthly empire, but he didn't. And I was recently reading about a God of grace who stoops to meet us. You know, he was a faithful servant of God. Our Jesus, our Savior, stooped at the Last Supper, and this is World Communion Day, he stooped at the Last Supper to wash his disciples' feet, right? He stooped during his passion at the whipping post when he was whipped by the guards. He stooped under the weight of that cross that he carried to Calvary. He stooped when they brought the adulterous woman to him as he wrote in the, in the dust before he stood up and said, ye who is without sin cast the first stone. We have a savior who stooped. And why did he stoop? Out of duty to the will of our father. Out of duty to the will of his father. And so we as Christians know that our duty is not a four-letter word. The duty of a Christian is a bond between love and action. Our duty is a privilege. It is a celebration of the Christ that lives in us. Our Christian duty is an outward celebration of the post-yes Jesus that we live by. Duty is a good thing. It keeps us humble. It is an outward showing of our gratefulness of that free gift of grace. You know, God found a way to separate the sin from the sinner. When we said yes to Jesus, we realized that we are not holy in our Lord's eyes. There's no amount of good works that we can do to make ourselves holy. In fact, if we read in Isaiah, 
Isaiah says, our finest deeds are like filthy rags. <laughs> Let that sink in. Your finest deeds are like filthy rags. And if you come forward to the New Testament in, in Philippians, our finest deeds are like rubbish. So until we are doing our deeds with the Christ in us, it's filthy rags. Until we say yes to Jesus and that love of Jesus is moving us in passion to do things for this world that our Lord loves so much, it's rubbish. It's rubbish. So our Christian duty, therefore, is a privilege to do something for someone that our Lord loves. It's a privilege to do something for this world that he loves. When I asked you a few weeks ago, have you ever asked the Lord to break your heart for this world he loves? Our Christian duty is a privilege to shine Christ's love out to the world. It's not a four-letter word. It's not an obligation. It's a privilege that we gratefully and thankfully and happily take upon us when we say yes to Jesus. For there is no level of good, good enough. There's no level of good, good enough. That's why we live in the joy of salvation. Right? That's why we live in the joy of salvation. Because it is through our Lord that we are made fresh and new. My friends, we are a work of pro in progress and all the sin in this world can be traced back. We can trace it all back to one event in the Garden of Eden that broke this world, that ruined the tranquility, right? But not every suffering that happens in this world can be traced back to a certain sin, like the hurricane that just hit Florida. You can't trace that back to a certain sin, but we can trace that back to original sin that broke this world, right? This world is broken. We don't know what a perfect world would look like, but it would look like no hurricanes hitting well-populated areas, right? So we know that things like natural disasters that happen, happen as a part of the perfect world that God created being broken by, by that first sin that allowed evil to enter into this world and allow this world to be broken. So on this day of World Communion, where whether we are in a wonderful, beautiful church like this, or our brothers and sisters in certain parts of the world that are in mud huts today, mud huts today, celebrating communion. Imagine that when we read from the sermon of John Wesley, who said, if you live in convenience and a little bit, you're flirting with the gates of hell, right? Last week's sermon, you're flirting with the gates of hell. You're trampling on graves and snares. I don't think our brothers and sisters who are living in mud huts today, celebrating the Lord's Last Supper, praising God, living in joy of salvation, although they live in a mud hut, qualify as convenience and a little more. But doesn't that strike fear in your heart? When John Wesley himself in his sermon on Lazarus and a rich man says, those of us who are living in convenience and a little more are flirting with the gates of hell. So praise God for the blood of Christ that washes our sins away. Praise God for that free gift of salvation where we can say, 
Dear Jesus, I'm listening. Tell me what you want me to do for this broken world of yours. Because there's no amount of good that's good enough without Christ living in you. Right? Without Christ living in you. And once Christ is living in you, you know that you will be living with our dear Lord forever in eternity. So I just ask you to remember on this day, this day of world communion, that our duty is a privilege to shine Christ's love from inside Christ dwelling inside us to his world around us. Amen. So now on World Communion Day,